live from Randy Savage International Airport in Columbus, Ohio. Will Alvin King please pick up what Kersey House? It's the Vocal Minority Podcast! Willkommen! That's German, friends. So hot right now. To another week of audio bratwurst firmly placed in your ears for your football pleasure. You must now give your obedient Germanic attention to our panel. From Vaking D. Red, Fräulein Kristen Knowles. Hello. From Dayorkis, Commandant Mark Hinckley. Guten Tag, Fräulein. The Bundeschancellor of Vaking D. Red, Duncan Fletcher. Hello. <laughs> Appropriate. <laughs> and I am your host this week. The first guy on the Yorkies, Tony Walsh. Let's get this show underway. I've got to get to Dance Centrum in Stuttgart in time to see Kraftwerk. The biggest sporting event in the world. Unless you watch the hosers at CTV Sports, then it's somewhere after Argo's practice and a squirrel on jet skis. But the World Cup has come and gone. It was a month-long Brazilian for the eyes, and those friendly Germans took home the Sepp trophy in their end. We must now wait for four years when the totally benevolent and welcoming Russians host in 2018. But before that, we take one last look at World Cup 2014. So, panel, how do you rank this World Cup overall compared to ones in your memories? I don't know who's oldest here, but I think we all probably have the memories of the same World Cups. Pretty much. I'm 86 onwards. Does anyone remember 82? 86? Oh my goodness, you're old. <laughs> 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 I was going to say 82, and now I'm not going to I you. still remember the little orange from Spain. Oh, yeah, I don't remember. That's my, that's my first. The, uh, the the Spanish one. I've seen highlights a little bit. I, I mostly remember the little orange. Hmm? I think I, I got a Matchbox toy car with him on it for some reason. <laughs> yes, I do sure. remember the 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 pickle with a sombrero for for uh, Mexico. He was a pickle, the PK or something like that. Sure. It's probably some kind of pepper or something. I don't know. Probably. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, this is all kind of jibber jabber. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to keep going. No. no. Not really, not right I, now. Mark Hinckley. Um, yes. I liked 1994. I really liked it. 2006 was very good, but I have adored 2014. It's been outstanding. Good TV everywhere. Hmm. First one I remember is actually 1982. Shut it, all of you. Um, but the one I remember watching the most of and watching with my dad was uh, 86, but I'm with uh, Mark. I kind of really loved this World Cup. I loved the group stage. Yeah, it that's that. just. It just makes the whole. It makes the whole thing. That's and my problem. After the groups, I was after the group stage. I was ready to say hey, this could be the greatest one in recent history. But then it kind of took a downturn in, in the knockout stages. Very did. tentative. It did, yeah. but I mean, it's still great. It's still a great World Cup. Don't you know? There's not that many bad World Cups. Brazil's no. implosion saved it from being dull at the end. Yes, yes. But it was pretty tentative compared to the group stage, which yes. was outstanding. Um, for me, I mean, it's better than South Africa. Yeah. I actually didn't enjoy the 2006 one, probably because of the time time difference, having to get up at 2 in the morning to watch a match. My all-time favorite still is Italian 90, though. Mm. That's a good one. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with Italian 90. I think 
there's a lot of people you could talk to who say it was absolutely terrible, there wasn't much entertainment. And Those people are wrong. Yes, one of the, the biggest things involved in changing the backpass rule for the sake of some kind of entertainment. Um, but yes, those people are wrong. Yeah, Gaza, Mark Wright, five at the back, Gary Lineker. It's uh, the two of you want to be Good alone? times, good times. <laughs> we already are. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I, I would put 2014 above that. It was good. As for the worst one, 2002, the South Korea, Japan. That's the one I meant, not 2006, wrong. sorry. Ah, ah. 2006 was Germany, which was pretty damn good. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. it was good. So yes. you can edit out what I said about South Korea. I don't know I if think I should. Leave it in. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> talking over each other. For me, the, kind of the benchmark is there's always going to be that game that you know nobody wants to see, nobody gives a damn about. And on that schedule, it was clearly Algeria versus South Korea match. And that was a cracker of a game. Mm. The two nobody teams had a hell of a match. It was more entertainment in that than, than I could have ever imagined. If the game you expect to produce the least can captivate you for 90 minutes... Or at least a good 75. That, to me, is, is a hell of a benchmark. I, I, yeah, I, th I think the uh, the difference probably that made this one seem good, too, is after coming out of South Africa, which was a very particularly strange opinion. fan experience, yeah. um, mm. this one just seemed very authentic. But, yeah. again, wish just wish the knockout stages could have kept a bit of that magic from the True. group stage. I, well, I have South Africa as my worst. Yeah. Just the whole experience, just watching it, listening yeah. to it, the football, like, it just, I didn't enjoy hardly any of it. It was, I watched it, of course, but it made me angry most of the time, which is not what you want when you're watching your favorite sport in the biggest tournament, so. This segment brought to you by the South African Tourist Commission. <laughs> Remember us? <laughs> Come visit our stadiums. We haven't used them in four years. So we mentioned the uh, implosion, the late implosion of uh, the Brazilian national team. Mm. We mentioned in that the uh, implosion of the Brazilian national team, and this really wasn't a good example of what uh, the world has come to expect of them. They're so often granted the title of the spiritual home of football, which is a load of crap, but uh, it was definitely a much more defensive, less joga bonito team than we've seen in the past, and surely much to the... Uh, stress of Brazilians in general, but uh, if they weren't the Joga Bonito team, who was? Who played the pretty football of this tournament in your eyes? Kristen. Colombia. I love watching them play. Every game. I was not disappointed by energy, the style they played, the results. I love Mia Minow. I don't know. I just mm. very, very, very surprised and quite content to to watch them whenever they were on. Yeah, I, I agreed with you. Colombia is who I had to. Their their skill level, unfortunately, wasn't quite enough to take them over the top. But uh, they played with such gusto that they were the they were the yellow shirts that were full of samba in yeah. this uh, tournament and full of other things. Any real Brazilian who really cares about football would have been uh, sad that Brazil lost to Colombia. He would have been wanting Colombia to go on if they truly loved the jogo really bonito. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I had them in my top three, but for me, and I, and I wavered, so so forgive me for having two, but I love Germany, I love the way they played, but I think if I had to pick one, Chile. Chile was my beautiful team. Right. They had, the, the, the shots were coming from all over the pitch, anybody was a threat, and they were all outstanding. I can't wait till, till uh, Copa, Copa America. America. I, yeah, I can't wait for Copa America. I'll mm -hmm. watch that for them. Yeah. And for Colombia, to be honest. Fair enough. 
Um, yeah, I'm stamps on the uh, the Colombian uh, train as well. You can't really go against that. Oh, Mark obviously it's did. the right train. Yes. A Colombian train is fun at a party, too. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Don't want to be the clues? Um, but yeah, they were very good. And, you know, James Rodriguez, they have to, out of nowhere, star, pretty goals. Well done, Colombia. Lionel Messi got the golden ball. What? I, for one, was shocked. Yeah. He was either sad or completely shocked walking down the stairs with his oddly shaped trophy. Um, many people feel that uh, it was a conclusion that had been decided well before the match ended for sponsors' sake that Lionel Messi would be given the most valuable player. I don't think he was. You. Do the panel think that he deserved it? And if not, who should have? Taking home that truly gorgeous oblong trophy. <laughs> um, I'll go first. I'll take uh, this is this is admittedly kind of random, but uh, it seemed like whenever I was watching Belgium play, uh, Kevin De Bruyne uh, was he was fun. He was creative. Uh, he was fearless. He was the engine. And also, to me, the most important thing, I did never heard of him before the tournament. That team is full of guys you've heard of, and he's the one I've never heard of. He plays a Wolfsburg. So um, I hope there's a huge transfer in the future for him because he was he was great entertainment. Mark Hinckley takes Pale Redhead. Chris Knowles. Hey, we got to look after our own. Hamas <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rodriguez. Because what a tournament he had. Like, talk about talk about making a name for yourself in here. In, on the biggest stage, he was just, he was so much fun to watch, and he played incredibly well. Six goals, led his team, and I always giggled because it always sounded like the uh, commentators were calling him Hamish. So I was, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I admit, I was calling him Hamish occasionally. There's Hamish Rodriguez again, and uh, that just made me giggle, so I enjoyed it even more. But definitely, I think it should have fallen to him, and definitely not to Messi. Agreed, I took James Rodriguez too, because... He was the standout. He was the person people were talking about for the most... I mean, he, he, you could make equal arguments probably for Thomas Mueller and supervillain Aryan Robin as well. Mm. Just because mm. of the impact they had on their teams and Agreed. how far they went. But when you think of the World Cup, there's always that one player you think back years later is like, whose World Cup did that kind of yeah. belong to? And, and to, me, to me, it was... He was he was the, the person. Yeah. Um, I'm fine with Messi, really. To really? Miss. Okay. Yeah. yeah, screw all you guys. Okay. Um... How, like much, how much did Adidas pay him for? <laughs> it's a, it's a well, that was question. a local minority podcast. We've <laughs> had a good run, folks. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he obviously got Argentina to the final. There wasn't much else going on with Argentina at mm. all. You know, he had to do a lot of work. It was very reminiscent of, of 1990, really. Argentina looked crap, but you know, Maradona was kind of good-ish, and somehow they got to the final and lost to the Germans 1-0. Um, so... Yeah, you know, I, it's it's not like absolutely hundred percent. This is obvious. You know, I think I and Robin would be uh, my uh, other choice, but I'm good with Messi. You and your villain love. Mm. Do you think uh, there was just way too the expectations for him to be out of this world in every match were just too too much then? From, um, from yes, the, yeah. I think you know you're talking about you hadn't heard of Kevin De Bruyne or you know James Rodriguez is obviously a very minor name. If Messi had come out of nowhere and did what he did, we'd be saying, oh, he's good. Probably. And is is that fair? I mean, this is supposed to be strictly on this tournament, not the rest of your career and... Huh? 
I kind of got the feeling... I saw the some Iranian dude who did way better than everyone thought he would. Well, I can tell you the Iranians are not happy with Lionel Messi winning. Yeah, yeah. Probably not. I, I kind of got the feeling, though, that the Argentinian team was kind of waiting for Messi to drag them to greatness. A little bit. Uh, and that was unfortunate because they have oodles of talent. Like, their back four in, in the last couple games were were excellent. I felt they were excellent. And their, their, their forwards were completely absent. So why is the one midfielder, you know, the guy that, oh, all our hopes hang on him. It's like, you got Di Maria, you've got Aguero, you've got um, Iguain. What's that? Three goals between them for an entire tournament. I, 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 to me, it's just they became kind of a, a one-man show, which is fine. And, and it's a hell of a show to get you to a final. But if those guys had delivered half of what their expectation was... Argentina would have won this thing in regular time. And another conversation that ends without a vote for Gary Cahill. <laughs> Sorry. Charlie Stephen Gerrard. <laughs> <laughs> we like a bit of uh, we like a little bit of the uh, blanking games on this show from time to time, so we'll do a little internal one. World Cup style. I didn't like blank before this World Cup, but now I do. And please oh. please make it football related. <laughs> Hey. Oh, well, okay, it's mostly. It's not exactly about the football. Um, American Traveling's footy supporters. I gotta kind of give it up. Not even so much the airport drama that happened, but from all reports, they were extremely well behaved, well liked. They respected the game. Um, I didn't hear too many chants of USA, USA jingoist thing that we were so used to. It happened. Yeah, there's a few. It happened, mm-hmm. but it could have easily been the only song they sang all game. Um, but it sounded like they, they were, they were using this as their platform to say, hey, look, we're, we're legit fans too. We're not just gun shooting. Well, they should have used too legit to quit then. Uh, it's true. Mm. It's true. I took this fairly literally. I, I didn't, well, I didn't like, I just didn't really consider Algeria before this World Cup. Mm. But now I'm incredibly fond of them, both for their play and for their sentiments off the pitch, so I am all about uh, Go Algeria. Alright. I will go with uh, this is more what I didn't know about rather than I didn't like it, nothing against the guy, but uh, Mexico's coach super entertaining. (laughs) (laughs) Not entertaining enough for me to look up his name to be prepared for this. (laughs) He had a mullet when he played, we know that. Oh yeah, they showed showed the Panini sticker of him. But uh, his celebrations and Mm -hmm. general sideline antics as a whole very entertaining. I had Mexico as a as a grand full project as my thing that I didn't like and I didn't like before the World Cup. Mm. Not I didn't know. I didn't yeah, like them. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> as CONCACAF bullies, it's natural for Canadians to not be too fond of Mexico, but much like Colombia, they played with that balls to the wall style and we enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. win or lose, they were going to they were going to go for it and that was it was good to watch. Yeah, Mexico always strikes me as like a they're the sleeping giant that never seems to wake up. And at this tournament, nobody was calling them a giant, but they sure as hell woke up. And, yeah, I, I'm with you on there. I, they scored some points with me. I also had their manager sure is a fatty. Oh, hey! Classic Tony. It's Miguel Herrera, by the way. Miguel Herrera. Sure is a fatty. Yes. <laughs> Classic Tony. So as we close out talking about 2014, single tier, we look ahead to 2008. 
in the overgrown nation of Russia. Two thousand and eighteen. Uh, two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> we go back into. <laughs> oh, right. You go. You were in two thousand and eight. Yeah, that was a good one, right? Was it? Favorite, uh, what happened there? Favorite no, world? I guess Spin one, didn't they? Sure. Yes. yes. Spin I prefer yes, not to remember that. Actually, that's yeah, yeah. so I do. Actually, lost. So it was okay. I think it's smashed. <laughs> As uh, we okay. Uh, as we finish off looking at 2014, we now look ahead to 2018 in the overgrown nation of Russia. And I'd like the panel to imagine the geopolitical state of the world in four years' time and take a guess on who will be the finalists on that July day in Moscow. Uh, it will be Russia-Europe versus Russia-Asia. Uh, the only other uh, continent will be uh, basically all of CONCACAF is going to have to qualify because there's only going to be two teams from one team from Europe, one team from Asia because they're all Russia now. Airstrip one, not because that sounds very Orwellian. Very good. Yeah. Uh, I didn't go quite as as far as my my colleague here, but um, I have Russia clearly with most of Europe, but holding out. And slowly taking over its own little corner is uh, is China. So it's Russia versus China. Interesting. Mm -hmm. This isn't the merchandise World Cup. <laughs> I've got um, uh, I've got one new entrant, much like you guys. I've got, but I have one new entrant. We have the obvious choice, which is Russia. Russia will be in the final, mm -hmm. and that will be they will be playing against Novo Russia, which was formerly known as Ukraine. So they will they will get their act together. A whole infusion of new Russian blood for the Ukrainian, ex-Ukrainian state, and they will march in order their way to the final. Yeah. Nice. I am the one holdout who doesn't see Russia in the final. It's actually Robo Monkey Haiti. They will face defending champions Germany in the final, where, as usual, the Germans win. All of Europe will celebrate, as Germany will have bought all of Europe by then. <laughs> Robo Monkey Haiti will then be annexed by Russia. That's fair. Robo Monkey Haiti. Man, that's such an exciting team to watch. It really is. Yeah. yeah. They're all over the place. Mm -hmm. Talk about balls to the wall. Yeah. They're feces to the wall, too. Hey, yo. Wouldn't it just be ball bearings? Yes. Mm. Robotic feces. Yeah. It makes it quite the claim. Apparently, Onyx is the new orange, because after a start that can mostly be described as, what the actual f goodness! Toronto FC pulled up its big boy pants and roared back to a 4-2 defo-tastic victory against Dinamo Houston last Saturday. We go to the most trusted football minds in this room with a look at the match. We start off with highlight of the match. Who would like to be up first? And by up, I mean positive. Well, positive? Well, I got your positivity mm -hmm. right here, son. The resiliency of the mighty Robins of Toronto. Bouncing back from 2-0, end up stomping Houston. Now, I originally had Defoe, player, uh, Defoe as a player rating of 10, but I ended up giving him 9.5 because, you know. But he was absolutely pivotal to the scoreline. So, resiliency. Go team. My highlight is the tying goal. Showed a lot to turn the game around, but to turn around completely within the first half, 
I'd like to see Oduro getting in there, but I would like to make special mention of not Jermaine Defoe or any of the people that scored goals, but Colin Warner for a very, what seemed like an invisible performance, but that's his job. He's supposed to be invisible. He kept things controlled back there and uh, used his best jazz hands. So that's my highlight and my man of the match. All right. I will uh, go for the highlight. I feel like I, sh I was trying to leave the third goal alone because I presumed everyone else would, uh, somebody else would take it. But anyway, I'm going with the first goal. Um, just because, A, it's always fun to watch a goalie just drop the ball right on the opposition's head. <laughs> uh, you can't go wrong with that. But B, mainly for Jermaine Defoe. Again, he would be my man of the match. And it's, you know, he scores some goals, and but you, you can see the opposition is now like, adapting themselves to him and they're kind of forcing him to do other things. And much like the game against Chicago, whichever defender it was with him was getting nowhere really close to him. He didn't want to give up a penalty, didn't want to let Defoe pass. He's like, hey, you can have a lot of space over there. You're just not getting past me. And again, just like he did in Chicago, he took what they were giving him and uh, made them pay, put in a nice cross. So it's uh, it's good to see Defoe. Um, yeah, if teams decide, well, yeah, you can do this, but you're not going to do this, he's still hurting them anyway. That's uh, it's very good to see. I have bad news for Colin Warner. I'm not adding him to the man of the match. I'm also <laughs> joining the Jermaine Defoe nighttime party. <laughs> but for me, it was the fourth goal, the uh, poached goal from the back pass. And the reason I took that, I thought, was because uh, it was a gift, but it kind of illuminated what he brings to the side. Kind of much along the lines of, of what Duncan said, but it was a, you know, it's a true kind of poacher that we've never seen here. And selfish striker in the best possible. Chad Barrett. So, sorry. Oh, um, other than, I mean, since Chad Barrett, sorry, I, was, I, I, I didn't see, I didn't see my notes. Yeah. Let, let, me, let me finish the sentence, please. Um, but no, he's a, he's a selfish striker in the best possible way. And also someone who not happy necessarily to let that one goal lead be enough. You know, I'm going to sit and, and poach and be ready for a fourth goal and, you know, a 3-2 could have easily blown up in their faces as we've seen many times. So, Easily the man of the match and man of the club right now for me. Mm -hmm. All right, I would just like to interject that, of course, Defoe was the man of the match. I think you I'm chose Colleen Warner. At, uh, mm. The original assignment for this section, listener, was not Jermaine Defoe. It says, if not Defoe. So, my choice for that was, not... That was the man of the match thing. Fair right. enough, fair enough. Of course mm. it was Jermaine Defoe. Dear gods. If, if no one is actually going to mention the third goal, which I thought was pretty obvious as the uh, the main highlight of the night, shout out to uh, Jackson, that back heel, lovely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, nice run from Osorio. And then Defoe as well. Once again, you know, the defence is, they're basically going to stand there. They're going to make sure he's not going to get in the middle. You're not going to go. You want to go out there on your left foot. You can. And Defoe went out there, ran around them and scored. Lovely. Making them pay for picking a certain poison. They pick the right ones. He still scores. I'm done now. <laughs> <laughs> because it's ingrained in our DNA as TFC supporters, we can't always look at the positives only. Time to look at the lowlights of this match. Who wants to be down first? <laughs> All right, down, I'm gonna, I'm by down, I mean in the rap sense. <laughs> oh, I'm not rapping my answer. Dream. <laughs> Good dance. Uh, second goal scored against TFC, so the second Houston goal, because it is criminal that they let Brad Davis do that again. 
the exact same goal in the exact same place, pretty much the exact same play. It's just obnoxious. And goat on that, ugh, I wore between Bloom and Caldwell. I'm going to give it to Mark Bloom because that was his job. You had one job, Mark Bloom. Um, I'm going to say ditto, but with more sweary words. <laughs> more? Awesome? I would choose the same kind of theme, but I don't really think it's Mark Bloom's fault. It I think, like, well. Defensively, yeah. the, the idea is that they've got from Nelson, the back four is supposed to stay very close together. Mm -hmm. If Caldwell is drifting in to deal with a threat, Bloom isn't supposed to leave a giant gap. He's supposed to go over there, and then at that point, the winger would ideally be recognizing what's happening and be coming down and taking care of the wide guy on the left. So I'm blaming a duo, not Bloom. But yeah, they, uh, all right. Those goals. Watching the replays, it was hard to pinpoint who was like. If you're gonna go by position, you know, it was on the it was on the right side. That's Bloom. Oh, I pinpointed Fine. someone. But Move. but from watching the replays, just even looking for the closest shirt to him, some cases there was nobody around him. Like mm -hmm. nobody was gonna get to him without a five second head start. So I thought for the first time in a long time since maybe his first or second game here, it did fall on Stephen Caldwell this time. Looking back at it, especially watching back on replays, uh, he was dragged out of position, especially on the second goal. You see him racing back to try to get across. It was uncharacteristic of him, but I thought uh, a little bit of uh, brain fartage on the man who then blew a quad later on. Mm -hmm. um, the most baffling aspect of this, of those first two goals, they didn't listen to the Vocal Minority podcast, mm -hmm. which outlined... Brad Davis is going to hurt you. Mm -hmm. Why do we do this show if they no won't listen and take our advice? Yes. I was under the understanding that Ryan Nelson played this in the dressing room immediately before every game. Exactly. You would explain and their half times. <laughs> <laughs> well, it hasn't, I mean, it hasn't been denied, so it must be true. But yeah, That's yeah. a very good point. Yeah. Much like his rolling around in the fetal position when he had yeah. to play again, three. Again, yeah. yeah, that's, why not? Why not? How many times do we have to ask TFC? Deny it. We Come need on. answers. Yeah. Hard-hitting journalism. Mm. And now for our sponsored segment, the Caldwell Arms presents the Game in Six. Teen words. Who would like to go first and encapsulate this wonderful match in ten words plus six? Awful plus Jermaine Defoe beats Awful plus Brad Davis. Toledo didn't ruin it. Goals are fun. Nice. nice. Very nice. nice. Crystal Knowles. <laughs> Not as literative as last week, I couldn't. Uh, character win, resilient performance, Defoe's complete game, and jubilation in the stands. Great day for all. Anyone who was absent missed a classic. Future is bright. More goals, more chemistry, more winning. Mm. And I ended with, for the first time in club history, a 2-0 deficit isn't a death sentence. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you have a few more words to use? I'm not counting, but... No, well, that's it. That's I count really? on my hands. Wow, that's crazy. Yep. That's good job. It's like you threw on that good at the end. I, <laughs> oh, no. That, really? was, that was really necessary. Really, I, really necessary. Yeah. Maybe uh, yeah. mm -hmm. A topic that is uh, near and dear to my colleague here, Duncan Fletcher's heart, is uh, shirt sponsors. Mm. And uh, we noticed that... Dinamo Houston uh, has a new sponsor, BHP Billiton, a company that specializes apparently in potash refining, which is a wonderful business to be in. 
Mm. It uh, made us wonder if Toronto FC could be sponsored by any kind of natural resource, what should it be? The Canadian Mint. I presume money is a natural resource. It is at this table, <laughs> ladies. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, TFC is, is very good at getting money for themselves. So, uh, the Canadian, the Royal Canadian Mint. Sorry. Uh, I went with Jameson Vitamins, actually. Great Canadian, healthy, natural supplements. Since the trainers and the physio staff aren't doing it for the club, purely, clearly they need to uh, look to Jameson Vitamins to heal the team with uh, their various vitamins. Interesting. My natural resource, or Mark Hinckley? Bradley Orr, Mines of Northern England. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, yes. Now open until December. It's hat string and stuff. I, I, Son of a bitch. All right. I, I thought I had this. We too. got the Brad Lung. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to the canary? So. He yeah, headbutted it. Pitchy <laughs> <laughs> ate it. <laughs> Natural resources, I went actually like to a natural mining type gathering of, of stuff. I picked sulfur. Sometimes it's explosive. Sometimes it just reeks. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> sulfur. <laughs> the TFC natural resource of choice. That's it. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to desperately try to find the new kit next year with yeah. no BMO on the front and just put sulfur. Sulfur. Give it a logo. The Canadian sulfur industry. Is that eggs? No, it's TFC. Yeah, it's us. <laughs> Tonight's TFC match review is brought to you by... When you're in the mood for a pint and some fine pub fare, look for the wildly waving limbs of the Caldwell Arms. There's no defense for drinking anywhere but Toronto's finest old British oldie-timey public house. Listen to the Vocal Minority Podcast next week when the Caldwell Arms hosts its annual Best British Accent Contest live on air with a chance to win a limited edition TFC Wacky Waving Inflatable Tube Man. The Caldwell Arms. Fine nails, Wild flails. While you lazy so-and-sos were watching that little charity tournament down in South America, the hard-working hipsters that make up Major League Soccer were hard at work. But not to worry if your attention deficit was pointed at your Brazilian. Here's our own Duncan Fletcher at the other clubs and stuff desk with this week's MLS Wins and Losses. Thanks, Tony. It's called Wins and Losses, so it's only right to start with the winningest winners of all right now. And that's Chiris USA! Ay, 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 ay! Goal, goal, goal! They won their fourth straight game this what? week. Second in a row against Canadian teams by beating Vancouver 3-1. Uh, Vancouver actually took the lead before Chivas equalised in the second and went 2-1 up through Cubo Torres after Jordan Javier being sent off. Uh, it got very contentious later on as uh, a header was saved right on the line by Dan Kennedy. He fell over the line but kept one hand on the ball, but just on the right side of the line, uh, until Pedro Morales kicked the ball over the line. Uh, it was actually judged a foul, as if Kennedy had the ball under control, which I just Oosh. don't buy at all. No. Was it mostly contentious because Dan Kennedy is not Hispanic? Yes, okay, yes, that's a you. big problem. Very much so. 
Um, that happened in injury time, and it still left time for the excitement of Vancouver's David Ousted going up for a corner at the death, which is always great. Uh, sadly for him, hilariously for everyone else, he did nothing. Chivas calmly took the ball upfield and rolled it into the net for the third goal. Uh, lovely. Chivas are now only two points back of Vancouver for the fifth Western Conference playoff spot. Wow. Muy bueno. Wow. Um, that, you know, say they're two points back of the fifth place uh, in the West, but their 23 points would actually be good for fourth in the East. Position still held by New England, despite the fact that they are the losingest losers of all right now, lost their fifth straight against Chicago. Uh, biggest game of the week was Sunday night in Seattle. 60-odd thousand there to see them take on Portland. They won 2-0. They got a couple of late goals after being on sub Afemi Martins. They're now 10 points clear of, uh, of the Western Conference, which is uh, impressive. Yeah. Uh, the comedy goal of the week was in Montreal, uh, where the impact looked to be heading for a hard-earned point right up until the 89th minute. A long, lazy pass forward from Kansas was ushered back to the goalie by Heath Pierce. He didn't want to kick it back to Perkins and force Perkins to kick it. Perkins didn't want to come out of the box and be forced to kick it. And so they both just stood there and watched as the ball rolled slowly and slowly to the box, just slow enough for a Kansas player to nip in and kick it away right to Don Dwyer who scored to give Kansas the 2-1 win. Montreal remain bottom of the entire league, which is fun. Trade roll. Fantastic. Si. Si. Muy bueno. Los super sex. Mm. Uh, we'll end up with a bit of controversy for the week, and it's off to the Philadelphia versus Colorado game, and uh, referee Soren Steiker. Shocking. Hey. Remember how he only gave a yellow where an America bicycle kicked Caldwell in the face? Mm. Well, this week, Philly's Michael who tried to clear a ball via the uh, overhead kick, uh, got the ball, but also caught a Colorado player in the face. Penalty and a red card. Of course. Yay for consistency. Uh, Philly aren't happy with Mr. Stoiker. Uh, he is caretaker coach Jim Curtin, sounding like an MLS pro already. To give a straight red on a player where I don't think Mike can do a lot about it was an interesting one. But this is MLS. This is how things go week in and week out. The crazy endings, the red cards, the penalty kicks. And if what just seems to happen quite a bit, then it seems to have happened here. Uh, Steiker also didn't give out a red card for a much nastier, more deliberate and potentially dangerous challenge on Danny Cruz earlier in the game. Here's Cruz on Mr. Steiker. <laughs> it's very frustrating to not have the man in the middle support you. It's tackles like that that get people injured. It's tackles like that that get people out for a year. I want to feel protected. From that minute on, I didn't feel protected. The disco has got his back, though, as that yellow was changed to a red, and O'Neill gets suspended for one game, fined an undisclosed amount for serious foul play, which endangered the safety of an opponent. Uh, Steiker wasn't finished here. He also sent <laughs> off Amobi Okugo after the game for dissent. Here's a Kugo on Mr. Stoiker. <laughs> there was no explanation. He gave me a card when my back was turned. Kind of cowardly, but whatever. <laughs> I didn't shoot him. Did he take one? Uh, that's a lot of Stoiker yeah. for one game. Yes, so, well done, Stoiker. Another red card decision changed. Though, hey, the two he actually gave were upheld, so by his standards, that's a good oh, one. 67%. Go. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, that is the MLS wins and losses for this week. Back to you, Tony.
Gotta get down. Bitch master. Hey everybody, it's Bitchy Blanks. Injury report: Stephen Cobwell out for four to six weeks with a. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of everyone's favorite internet hashtag game, Bitchy Blanks, or at least it's our favorite game. Last week, we had a, we thought it was a timely one, an in-game moment, and the Bitchy Blank was. Ref Dave Gantar changed his mind about Nick Haglin's yellow card. It wasn't because the AR told him to, it was because blank. Out of all of our respondents, we chose a longtime listener, or at least halfway through each episode listener, Mr. Simon. Hi, Simon. And uh, his reply was, he changed his mind because Alzheimer's can be a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> He's got me. Simon. He's sensitive. Damn. That one's yours. Oh, we are nothing yes. if not sensitive. Oh God, here <laughs> at the Vocal Minority Podcast. You can find Simon at Hitcherado on Twitter. H-I-T-C-H-O-R-A-D-O. Direct your abuse to him. Gentlemen, what did you have for this, uh, this bitchy blank? Mine was straight up, Dave Gantar is racist against guys with homemade haircuts. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a race, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's totally racist. Oh, yes. Doug Ford said so. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so there, were the little red apples involved? There might have been. Uh, I've got uh, a bit of a longer one here. Uh, there's some background involved here. Now, the negotiations earlier this year when the refs were on strike were tense and heated and the refs wouldn't bend until this particular clause got added into the contract. This is quoted verbatim from Section 7, Clause 4, III of the agreement. <clears throat> Each week, one referee, chosen by a lottery conducted by the referees, the results of which shall not be made known to the league or teams involved, shall be given the right, for the purposes of shiggles, to make one really dumb decision that causes confusion everywhere. So... Uh, Ganta gave the red card because this week it was Ganta and he was running out of time so had to make the best of an obvious red card so that he didn't get kicked out of the union. They take their shiggles seriously. The refs do. Wow. Mm. That's quite the blank. <laughs> that, is, yes. that was an extra long blank. Uh, we recorded yes. that. We, we did this a few weeks ago. Mm. God, too long. <laughs> <laughs> uh. By the way, shiggles, a legal term. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. 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 Yeah, I've, got a, I've got it in my last contract. Yeah. Mm. Yes. I get three shiggles a week. Nice. Nice. Uh, yeah, so it was reversed because uh, Toledo made him. It was so that Toledo himself could throw everyone off by the next match and not hand out a red card to anyone. Twist. Mm. All right, and mine was a well, MLS related does uh, because Don Garber was actually the one speaking to Gantar and told Gantar if he ever wanted to ref again, he'd change his call as the conspiracy against TFC getting nice things continues. Ah, uh, that's a good point. So that was last Very week's Bitchy point. Blank. This week's Bitchy Blank is the TFC boys all now have fancy new three-piece suits, but they really should have ordered custom-made blank. As always, please send us your replies to us on the Twitters at Vocal Minority Pod, no A in the vocal. In the comments on our website, vocalminoritypodcast.blogspot.ca, and in the comments field in the Waking the Red post when we put it up live. Uh, again, it is this week's Bitchy Blank. Does TFC boys have fancy new three-piece suits, but they really should have ordered custom-made blank. Thanks for playing, all.
While it's all fine and dandy that the F's and C's are in third in the East, having 89 games in hand over second place Sporting KC means the Reds have to play five games a week between now and next April. <laughs> in this week's Coronation Street-esque double episode, we host old stoner pals Vancouver, and then it's off to Texas for Houston 2, Orange Boogaloo. Indeed, what could be better than a Wednesday night with the Cheech and or Chong of MLS crashing on our couch at 8pm? By the time you listen to this, the match will have passed. What you may not know, however, is that this is, slash was, a very special night at the old ballpark, as it is, slash was, also MLSE's Italian Heritage Night. Ooh. Che cosa, Leonarduzzi! <laughs> oh! <laughs> With that in mind, what special Italiano promotion do you expect MLSE to trot out? Oh, um, I have, uh... I know this is coming up and it offends me as is racist to my people, but they are handing out whole Hawaiian mouth guards. Apparently they can be used on donkeys, horses, and former Liverpool forwards. Bastards. I know, it's insensitive. Those are big at the front, oh too. My, <laughs> you could seriously hold a child in one of these. Okay, the promotion's actually going to be every supporter, when they get to their seat, they're going to find a uh, piping hot, homemade Italian meal, lovingly prepared personally by John Molinaro. Uh, it may be pasta alla Mitriciano, uh, pasta alla Carbonara, pappadelle, who knows, but uh, 25,000 plates have been prepared. Each one of them will be photographed and put on Twitter personally. And uh, yeah. Thank you, John. Grazie mille. I was about to say, it's like, oh, if, if I'm out there at the game, I'll just find out about it on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. You'll be able to see which one is yours. <laughs> Delicious, but so much tastier when you eat them in Montreal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Uh, so mine's a little different because I, uh, knowing TFC and the, the, the brain trust in MLSE, they, they sort of forgot, they missed the point about pasta spaghetti. So they're hosting uh, a Clint Eastwood impersonation contest with your best spaghetti western look. After that, all <laughs> TFC players are going to start saying, do you feel lucky, punk? Do ya? During one-on-one -on -one game situations, as a consequence. That, that's going to cause problems if they have to slow down to do that. We don't have any punk-looking guys. I mean, is the closest, but I don't think he means it in a punk way. My idea, Timbit's halftime soccer is going to be replaced with Meatball's halftime soccer. <laughs> it's, nice. that, it's that thing where Italian midgets get inside an inflatable meatball full of ragu and run at each other at full speed while a Euro version of That's Amore plays in the background. Wiener gets $2 off at Eastside Mario's. <laughs> Except they don't actually run each other. They just kind of stand there in the back and, uh, and you come at us. No, no, no. I brought it going forward. You come forward. No. Bibbity bobbity. Yes. <laughs> Cats and nachos. <laughs> Cats and nachos, indeed. Inclusion. I'll be back in time. the VMP, we are on the cutting edge of space-time continuums and wormholes, etc. Since this match is currently in the future, but when you listen to this, in the past, we go live to Mark Hinckley in our future at BMO Field on Wednesday, which is in your past. Gigawatts! Mark Hinckley. Thank you, Tony. We're here outside of BMO Field, a one-all draw between 
Toronto FC and the Vancouver Whitecaps. I'm here with Vocal Minorities, Kristen and Duncan. Kristen, Colin Warner had a hell of a match today. He was all over the pitch. What are your thoughts on the game? Yeah, you know what? I think uh, Colin Warner is my man of the match just for really, as you said, being everywhere, playing tough defense, uh, getting involved in the attack, linking up really well with Michael Bradley. Love that pairing, by the way. And uh, I just think uh, he gets better and better every match. I was very happy to see him out there tonight, and he's won, uh, he's won me over for the rest of the season. Duncan, thoughts? Tend to agree with this, or you got your own side? Um, I do agree with that. Warner did very well. Uh, I think him and Bradley work well together. They had a tough time going forward, just I think Vancouver were all over them. Um, I think I'd probably give my man of the match to Jackson, though. Uh, I think he was just very lively out on the wing like, the whole time. He gave their uh, right-back fits through the whole game, won the penalty. So uh, Jackson would be my man of the match. I'd have to agree Jackson had a hell of a match, but it, for me it was kind of a... a a somber tone because he, he came off and I kind of felt that took the took a lot of the momentum out of the team going forward with the last 30 so minutes. Uh, Jackson's, Jackson's injury, hopefully it's not too, too bad. He'll be back soon, but we'll know more uh, probably tomorrow when uh, they release kind of injury report. Uh, Kristen, uh, you're, what, what's your downside for this match? Well, certainly seeing Jackson go off after, you know, that was like the fourth time he got taken out. This time actually seemed to injure him. Uh, seeing Mark Bloom go limping off and uh, of course, not getting all three points. I think it was a, it was a hard-fought game, and they fended off the, the Nats, as I call the Whitecaps, because they were all over everybody. But I think there was an opportunity for them uh, to win this game, and, and they didn't, and so that's my, that's my true downside. But also, hopefully, no more hurt players. Duncan, what, what kind of took the win out of your sails? Um, yeah, it is the, the hurt players. I think uh, Osorio as well, I don't know if he was fully hurt or not. He didn't have a great game. I think uh, Warner and Bradley and Jackson on the left, they all looked very good on the right wing. Didn't quite work out for Osorio uh, or Ajiro really when he came on. So, um, you know, that would be my downside. But, you know, Ajiro, it's about fair really. And yeah, old Gill again, just not convincing. Gets a chance in the last minute over the bar. Yeah. So. The draw's fair. Well, the comeback kids couldn't cap the caps tonight. One all here at BMO Field. Back to you, Tony, in the studio. <laughs> Thanks, Mark, from the future past. That guy's terrible. <laughs> I did think his, uh, the, the correspondence there, the people he talked to, man, those guys were witty. Oh, the future looks bright if that's yeah. the kind of people who populate oh, yeah. Yeah. 2014. <laughs> In the future past, you saw Carl Robinson on the sidelines doing a decent job in his first year as Vancouver manager. But I'd like you guys here on the panel to name another ex-TFC player and what MLS club he should manage. I will go with Rowan Ricketts uh, because his... I'm a professional footballer, therefore I am somehow important so people should pay attention to me, shtick. is clearly waning now, so he needs to move into, I'm a professional football coach, so people should pay attention to me. Uh, he needs to move into that phase of his career. And he should go to Chivas. Why not? Just It would make it more fun. They're the Dempo of MLS. Yes. <laughs> Kristen. Oh, uh, well, of course, Danny Dicchio and TFC. I know, I know, too literal. Okay. What I really meant to say was uh, Nick Sulzma and the, and the Dynamo, so that he's always close to Club Escobar. And then, of course, Miguel Acevedo is his assistant coach. And the team plays in orange. Yeah, coach. that's why I was going with the orange. That's nice. I like that. I just thought of a boy band called Nick Sulzma and the Dynamo. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like opening for Gem. Truly outrageous. Yeah. Mm. 
I thought mine mine was a little more historical, but it's still pretty good. Terry Dunfield to Colorado. Born of <laughs> a history of kits with extra pieces of dangling yes. materials. Sock tassels, caribou shirt fringes. It's all the same. It's like they were meant for each other. <laughs> and for me, I looked again into the future and chose former TFC goal poacher Mista, who should return to MLS and manage Miami because we're not sure either really exists. <laughs> Burn Miami! <laughs> Suck it back up! <laughs> Had your fill of TFC? Too bad. Undo that belt buckle because the halftime orange is actually very orange. A return leg with Houston. Here's Duncan Fletcher at the VMP preview desk to talk us through Dynamo versus your FCs. Thanks, Tony. Houston again? Excellent. Uh, this should be uh, pretty simple, really. First up, though, before we get into that, uh, a question to the panel. A lot of games coming up. Rotation may be needed. Uh, Houston are in the East. Potential playoff implications here as far as points go. But at the same time, for goodness. Vancouver. For goodness. For goodness. Vancouver. And you're playing them at home. Which game would. If you had to choose one game you can win, which would it be? Houston. Interesting. I gotta go with Vancouver mm. because I very much dislike Crystal Meth Palace and also getting three points at home with the possibility of a very doable draw in Texas is a good acceptable scenario to me. Mm. Well, I would like an opportunity to explain my answer. I thought you were done. <laughs> you waved your hand. I did you, you had a flourish like... There was no Houston, flourish. that is all. Houston, yep. wrong! Houston, next question. <laughs> Thank you, John. Uh, Back to you, Kristen Knowles. Thank you very much, Mr. Wells. No, Houston, because of table placement. Mm. You know, it's always, I love beating Vancouver. I can't stand them. I want to see them suffer. But in terms of what is best for Toronto for the future in the conference they play in, beating Houston. Oh, I thought you meant Feng Shui. Well, that too. Table placement. It's mm. very important. Mm. Well, you know, you got to make to sure. Rotate at 90 degrees. Your cheese in, in line. Mm. Um, I'm going to go with Vancouver, and it's, it's fairly simple for me. I like home games. So I want to see them win at home, and that's more important to me. Road games, I might be able to see it. I might not. I don't know. But uh, also Vancouver, you know, I want to see them lose as often as possible. And being in person makes it better. Fair enough. I, you know, I can definitely get behind uh, Vancouver. I think that was what I would really go for, for a variety of reasons. But, you know, if only one, they lose this, they might fall behind Chivas, which would be great. Um, uh, it, it's nice though to be able to ask the question and it's not just a case of well there's absolutely fucking nothing going on in the league so let's just hope you beat the Canadian team now you know, it's nice to have playoff implications actually mean something um, anyway on to previewing Houston just a, a quick one really what uh, was learned and what was confirmed by seeing them last week so what Brad Davis do Brad Davis we Brad Davis know Brad Davis about Brad Davis the Brad Davis Houston Brad Davis Dynamo Brad Davis Done. I got it. Sorry, yeah. just to interject uh -huh. you were saying something about Brad Davis? yes okay. yeah, he's, are he's, you sure his name's it's not it's not Bill Davis no I think it's Brad I mean he's he's an open coming no, guy you, nobody people know about him Jim Davis didn't yeah. he do uh, Garfield Garfield oh, yeah orange. That's orange. Orange, orange right yeah, yeah. Eight yeah and then and then Italian night the pasta so oh I saw you what a tie in you ate my lasagna Kristen Knowles uh, I'm normal 
Um, to selectively quote from last week's preview, Brad Davis remains Houston's most dangerous creative player, not giving him many opportunities, and cutting down his space during open play will be crucial to not conceding goals. Ooh, that's a good strategy point. <sighs> Hopefully him scoring twice, after being left wide open, was enough of a lesson so that that sort of thing doesn't happen again. Uh, if you have to pick a poison, and hey, that's football, sometimes you do, choose a different one this time. <laughs> Um, so next question, yeah. next question for the panel, uh, either formation or lineup, what changes would you make to better negate the Davis threat? Uh, there's no Stephen Caldwell, does Bradley Orr replace him or do we need Orr in midfield? Um, I went with a 3-1-4-2. It's like a 4-4-2 except for that single one now becomes his shadow. So Davis is not going to go anywhere, including off the pitch. Without somebody falling. Don't care who. Somebody <laughs> supervises it. Somebody's going to go there and hold it while he pees. Pretty much. <laughs> well, he's going to make sure he's peeing as long as he misses the urinal. <laughs> nice. Jim Brennan's got to do something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Out of retirement for one game, Mr. Copy. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of double teaming players because I think it gives too much reverence and sometimes bites you on the ass, but... Well, I think you can take the chance that the other guys left on the pitch for Dynamo won't necessarily be able to do the damage that he could being marked by a single. Question then. Do you try and go for the goal, then shut him down? Or do you try and shut him down and work around that like from the start? It's a good Always question. Go I would go with shut them down. There's, there's a lot of breakaway potential yeah. against... If it's anything like the last game, yeah. It's kind of moving a little bit later on there, but uh, yeah, there's shut it down, make sure it's uh, defensively tight, and there'll be opportunities to score. That being said, Boniek with a hat trick. Maybe, yes. <laughs> I had two thoughts. Um, one was make the you know give the former player a chance to make his old team pay and give Dero some time out on the pitch. Um, yeah. oh boy. But he doesn't like to play defense, so my real answer is, uh, if Bradley's good to go, I'd like to see him out there, probably in place of Jackson, yeah. uh, and just be the bulldog that he can be, and be that person to help clog up the midfield and get in his face and get in his way. Um, yeah, I mean, for me personally, I'd you know, definitely be looking to keep it tight, I mean, go with the two defensive midfielders. A couple of wide players out there that you're asked to you know, come back and do your bit and defend and then see what Jermaine Defoe can do. I'm, I'm fairly certain that he can do good things against Houston defense. They're pretty terrible. That takes us on into the, the rest of the preview here. Other thoughts that last week's game confirmed. Houston are really sloppy at the back and they're liable to make mistakes with their passing if pressured. So keep doing that. And something that wasn't really taken advantage of, they're slow, and a quick ball over the top can uh, hurt them. There were so many times on Saturday that Jermaine Defoe started to make a run, and the pass just did not come at the right time for him uh, until that back pass. You know, they sorted him out. I guess they felt sorry for him. Who knows? Um, <laughs> we got you, buddy. Yeah, yeah. 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 So <laughs> look, look, so sad. look for the long ball, Jermaine Defoe. Opportunities will be there. It will work. Um, generally though Houston not as bad at home as they have been away got 14 points from 9 games as opposed to 4 in 10 away games uh, we've over half their season gone currently 5 points out of the playoff spot 
Uh, there'll be pressure for them to win at home, so I'd expect plenty of attacking intent from the Dynamo. But, uh, they conceded two or more goals in four of their last five home games against MLS opposition, so uh, there's definitely goals to be scored there. So, as I'm saying, I would expect to see TFC focus on the defence, uh, clog up the midfield to basically stop uh, Boniette Garcia or the, the runs of Giles Barnes that caused problems uh, last week. Um, then, yeah, do a better job of noticing Defoe's run, Springer, him, Old Gil, Dero, or Dero, whoever, uh, on the quick break. That is your uh, second week in a row scouting report on the Houston Dino. Back to you, Tony. Thanks. Very orange. Mm. So that's two matches in the space of seven days versus the same opponent. It's a very MLS thing in the world of football. Do you as a panel like it for its tendency to create friction, seeing the same people and renewing rivalry so quickly, or is it a North American disgrace that needs to be taken care of by the schedule makers? I hate it. It drives me crazy. I don't like home and aways for any sport. It does little to foster any kind of rivalry in my opinion. I don't see the benefit of it. I see it who can recover from the travel the fastest, which team is the most tired. And we've got two Houston games, two DC games, two Union games in September. And like, it's just, it's nonstop. And I find it boring for both fan bases, personally. I think if you're gonna do it, go the whole hog. For example, I kind of think that MLS is a league that lacks real personality. So I'm almost kind of, two games isn't enough. That's that's just kind of annoying. But I say, why the hell not? Next season, we should just declare the month of May as we play Montreal five times a month. <laughs> Between the V-Cup and the regular season, the blood flies on Victoria Day. Nice. You can't get a ticket for that. The games of Abraham. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's a scarf. There you go. I would. I, I like where you're going. So I would make it June. Then you got like Jean Baptiste Day and Ooh, Canada, Canada Day, Day. and oh, like it ends in June and July. Well, I, I only I only went the Mitsu's, Mitsu's birthday. Yeah, yeah, the V Cup. Although yeah. they're changing the V Cup schedule in a couple of years or so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mitsu's, Mitsu's birthday, birthday, national birthday. holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I even take um, a day off for that. Yeah. Super Sex Tuesdays. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Routine Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to like spend like a week in Montreal, play three times, get to take up? In fact, never mind a week. Let, let's go full on baseball. Three days in a row we play Houston. <laughs> three days in a row we play Montreal, etc., etc. Cool and Rogers um, might get a game if that happens. <laughs> uh, I'm not massively outraged by it. You know, there's all sorts of nonsense with the schedule that I'd like to change, but mm. eh, eh, it is what it is. I, I don't like it, but I'm not going to be. Of storming the Bastille about it. <laughs> Timely. Yes. I don't want to overstate, you know, how this makes me feel, but it's worse than Hitler FC. Whoa. <laughs> Sometimes it happens in other parts of the world with cup ties and stuff, but this isn't Major League Baseball. Why not just have doubleheaders? Take care of it in one night. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Rotate those teams. <clears throat> Boom. Fireworks at the half. Country Western concert. Beautiful. Don Garber's wettest of wet dreams. <laughs> and finally appeal to the masses. As we mentioned earlier on, Houston has jumped back on the shirt sponsor bandwagon. I asked the panel, give me your best new shirt sponsor for any other MLS club of your choice. Chivas USA. There is a partnership so apparent that I'm shocked it hasn't happened yet. And if we all took it, I will laugh. I, it could Seriously? happen. Uh, Chivas Real. Because... Uh, it didn't happen. Ah. 
is the best. How yeah. have they continued to ignore such a perfect sponsor? Well, I miss that. Except for, of course, that, you know, an old, ages old, world-renowned Scotch company not wanting to be tarnished with the horror show that is Shiva's USA. Mm. But, you know, they're winning now. So, hey, time to take a chance on that little club. Yes. Good yeah. point. I hear if they do that, it's going to take them 15 years to get good. Mm. <laughs> Scotch joke. Mark nice. Hinkley, I can I can smell a Chivas USA coming a mile away. Yes, you can. <laughs> but can you smell that the sponsor would be Drano? Uh, it's not because that they're crap that they get Drano. It's because the colors match, and they're crap. Guess which team I picked? <laughs> I have no idea. Chivas USA. No. <laughs> but my shirt sponsor for them was Old El Paso, <laughs> because both of them are only sorta kind of Mexican. <laughs> Uh, is this? Are we going with four? Is it going to be another Chivas USA? <laughs> Duncan oh. Fletcher, don't this let the side down. We the now podcast explodes if you agree. Exactly. Pick something else. Wait, you, know, you know it explodes if we you agree. agree. This is a retirement match. If it's four in a row, this is the last show. This is like hair versus mask. I will say Chivas USA. Well, good night, everybody. It's been fun. I'll see myself there. <laughs> And we're going to go with a, a very uh, kind of modern, new era sponsorship <laughs> on the front of the jersey. It's just going to say Goatsy. <laughs> oh, the guy, the guy who scored the goal? No, no, not him. Look it up, folks. Goatsy, it's a great company. Google them. It has to be one of those shirts like Hatafi had where you pull it over your head. <laughs> <laughs> Next order I put in, we're getting that made, guys. Gonna be the best. Yes. Hashtag Goatsy. Mm-hmm. I don't know who these strangers are that have broken into my house. Thank God this is the last podcast. episode ever. <laughs> yeah, now that, now that we've all agreed on something, this experiment has been wonderful. Holy crap, how did that happen? That was great. <laughs> Well, that's another Bundes episode of VMP swallowed down like the proverbial schnitzel. Join us next week as we recap the Houston match. Duncan gushes over the most important friendly in the history of football. Mm. We look for the pot of gold under the rainbow kit that is the Kansas City Wiz. And our usual feedback of frivolity continues. From Mark Hinckley at Ignortalk on Twitter, it's an industrious... I'll feed you same. From Kristen Knowles at KZ Knowles, a reliable... Ciao. From Duncan Fletcher, at Duncan D. Fletcher on Twitter, a stern... Fucking Tottenham. I'm sorry, I mean good Nocton. <laughs> and from me, Tony Walsh, at the Yorkies1812, a hearty Bavarian. Das ist nach boobies? <laughs> Until next time, Toronto. Get used to it.
Fräulein Kristen Knowles. <laughs> you can say hello. <laughs> Let's just start again. Uh, I'm sorry. No, I can just. We can just just, just, just cut that bit out. Yeah. Don't you worry. Just say Kristen Knowles. Just then, yeah. Just so, hit your hello. Just, <laughs> hello. Just hit your hello for fuck's <laughs> sakes. Hello. This clearly wasn't our mother's Brazilian national team. Definitely <laughs> the more one of the more placid. Wow. Uh, sorry, I just got to take my mother's Brazilian. Wow. Oh. Um, my mother's a fancy lady. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start this whole thing. <laughs> we got an outtake of things. Everyone Ford is claiming that he built the subway in Scarborough. He is the subway. Wow, the subway's already built? That's yes. amazing. Oh, that's fantastic. Do they have the fu- But I was just yeah, in, I, I was in Scarborough. You know what? Subway marriage you know what? Going. I was in Scarborough did last night, which is why I did not see the subway. So did clearly they, it happened today. Do they still today, have the $5 foot longs there? Yes. He is the subway. He is the subway mayor. Before I got lost, subway I had to jump yeah, that. I don't waffle on my position on transit. I am the subway mayor. Yeah, Everybody like, knows it. He built the subway in Scarborough. Yeah, he doesn't waffle. He likes submarine sandwiches. Mm.